0: What we want to discuss briefly today is a very specific topic, uh, narcissism and being impressed with oneself this is uh, something which is very easily for it to occur especially for talented people if you think you have a certain talent and you can do something well or you're good at something whether that be you're good at football you're good at a sport whether you look good or you think you look good at least Or whether you're very strong whether you bodybuild whether you're very intellectual whether you're always getting top grades in your in your school in your studies whether you're a good negotiator whether you're a good businessman a good salesperson I mean the multitudes of various things that you could be good at right so what happens is you could get impressed by yourself being impressed, a person should actually know about themselves. About the- a person should actually know about the reality of themselves. And every human being has problems. So how, why should we get impressed with ourselves? One is that we acknowledge what we have and we use it in the right way. That 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 that's actually sought. That's praiseworthy. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's recommended. To understand what Allah has given us, the abilities that Allah has bestowed us with. And then try to use them to help others, do something with it, right? help yourself, help your family. But then to get impressed that it leads to narcissism. In Arabic, this is called ujub. Ujub. This conceit, this feeling, even if you don't, it doesn't have to always lead to arrogance against others. It's just this very personal feeling that I'm so great then kibr, takabbur, is when this translates into looking down at others and it becomes an active aspect. Uh, until it's a kind of a passive aspect of just looking great, uh, looking at yourself in this, uh, within, uh, uh, and in being impressed with yourself, that, that is uh, what you call ujb. And then when it becomes transitive to somebody else, then that becomes kibr and arrogance so there's those subtle differences between them but generally one leads to the other what uh, how how do how do, how do the ulama define it you know one is we have an idea of what we think it means maybe from personal experience or what we've seen of others maybe but narcissism is for someone to deem his blessing as i mentioned the ability that you think you have it's a blessing at the end of the day right to deem his blessing as tremendous and to rely on it there's nothing wrong about it so far this is still the definition right it's not full, fully defined yet so to deem one's own blessing as tremendous and to rely upon it while forgetting to attribute it to the giver and the giver in capitals and who is that that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we don't even think of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us that, that it is He who gave us this, namely Allah. So it's about forgetting where it comes from. And you know, the whole antidote, any person who has this problem of looking at themselves with greatness and goodness, right, self-admiration, the antidote, very simple antidote, is just remember that Allah gave it to you. And Allah didn't give it to you. To make you feel super above others and so on and so forth but to use it in the right way that's the antidote as soon as you bring a line to the picture it should take you down it should humble create humility indeed being preoccupied by a blessing from its giver is blameworthy narcissism to become occupied with the blessing while forgetting the one who blessed you with it that is narcissism i mean you have a very nice car, you have a very nice handbag, you have very nice clothing, a very nice house. You forget that Allah is behind everything and we become preoccupied with it. That's what the problem is. The Prophet said, a hadith related by Imam Bukhari and muslim there was once a man walking in an outfit. Maybe he had a, what's a nice outfit today, you know, maybe he had a really nice Armani suit on, Kanali suit on or something like this, right, with a, na- a nice Taguah watch or something else, you know, a Rolex or something like that. So anyway, this person is walking in an outfit in those days, whatever that outfit was, right. Impressed with himself, because clearly, you know, when you've got this kind of stuff on or when you have this extra on or driving a new car or something, it does something to you generally. You you, you feel that people are going to be looking at you. So there is this feeling. It creates it. Uh, So in the hadith says, impressed with himself, with his hair nicely combed to add to it and walking with pride. When all of a sudden Allah caused him to be swallowed, so he is violently plunging into the earth until Resurrection Day. I mean, that's obviously an extreme punishment. You may think, I haven't seen that happen to anybody. I know a lot of narcissist people. But that's a possibility. It happened to Qarun, as mentioned in the Qur'an. That's what he said. He said, I was given it. I was given all of these treasures that I have, all of these riches, all of these riches that I have uh, from a knowledge through a knowledge that I possessed. Abu Muhammad al Juraidi said that devoted slaves of blessings, devoted slaves of blessings are plentiful in number. You get lots of people who are slaves of blessings they love the good they love the good adornments of this world but the devoted slaves of the giver of blessings are rare indeed that's the fitnah that's the challenge in a practical sense that's the challenge you got a nice phone then you start admiring the phone admiring the company admiring the founder the designer right until you get obsessed with that without actually while forgetting who is behind all of this. And all of these are alamat and just signs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not to say that you can't appreciate the middleman, that okay, mashallah, he's done a wonderful job. That's understandable. There's nothing wrong with that. It's when you become a slave to that devotion in that sense. Uh, Imam Nahlawi mentions, he says, the opposite of this, now generally when you look at one thing, it's, it, it, you get a better idea when you see it's opposite. It becomes more uh, defined and distinguished. The opposite of narcissism or ujub is to recall Allah's favor. That's also the antidote. That is for one to bear in mind that the blessing exists only due to enablement by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that he alone is the one who honors him and enhances his reward and merit. Everything comes from Allah, and He gave you this. And if you treat this well in the right way, fulfill its right, Allah will actually reward you for it. This recollection is actually obligatory. This is a fard. We generally just understand faraid to be fasting and praying and sadaq, zakat, and so on. But these are the obligations of the heart that a lot of people don't understand as obligatory. They just think it's something good that you should have. Yes, it's praiseworthy, it's good, it's nice to have very few people actually understand that I am actually supposed to be trying and making an effort to inculcate this and to remedy any problems that I have. That's why it's very, it's, it's, a, it's a blameworthy trait. It's a, it's a sin to have ujub and to allow it to persist within one's heart. So Imam Nahlawi says that this recollection that everything comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is obligatory when one feels enticed to narcissistic thoughts as soon as you think that you're better than somebody else because you've got this that and the other there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that alhamdulillah has given me something and he doesn't have it you can like putting that in perspective you can't be i mean we're human beings we can't be blind to these things i mean if you see them you see them right but it's never to then start thinking i'm better than he because at the end of the day this is a worldly thing that you've been given and what really matters in the hereafter is that who's going to be who's going to have a higher status in the hereafter who's going to be closer to Allah whose deeds and heart is better whose heart is more sound though he may not have the riches that you have he may not have the intellect that you may have may not be a genius like you are but he may be closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala she may be closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's why you know when i see other people and i start thinking you know i've got more or i've got this or i've got that and i just think well you know he may be closer to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than me and when you think that it just puts you down because it puts you in your place now you may think i mean this is another aspect here is that look i really worked hard for this whatever i've got i really worked hard for it or my parents really worked hard for it but at the end of the day if you trace whatever it is you will see that eventually it's because Allah placed you in this position. Placed you in the right place at the right time. Otherwise, how difficult is it that you and I are suddenly somebody in Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan, Palestine, whatever. And somebody else there is here. Imagine where the kid on the street who's just lost his father. Who now has nothing, his mother can't... His house has just been destroyed and they got nothing did we choose to be here the only choice that we we think we have is after we've been in the world and we've tried something and we've acquired something and we can see a kind of a connection between what we tried and what we got but if you keep going back behind that then where did we come from where did our parents come from why were they here so at the end of the day, there's no escaping Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. That's what Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says in the Quran, in Surah Al-Rahman, "Sanafruukum ayuha Thaqalain, fabi ayyaalaai Rabbi kumatukadhiban." Which of the bounties of your Lord will you deny? That's the whole perspective of this surah, right? Ya al Jinni wal Ins, In inistat'atum an tannfuzu min aqtar al-Samawat wal ardi There's no way you can go beyond the limits of this universe. There's no way that you can step out of the boundaries of Allah, beyond His realm, beyond His kingdom, beyond His ownership, into a land that He doesn't own in which you are independent. No, you are always dependent of Allah. He is the Samad. Allah is the Samad, the one who self-subsisting not in need of anybody but everybody else is in need of him so when we understand the samadhiya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his self subsisting nature then we understand that we are really nothing we're only here because of the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and may he continue that grace both in this world and in the hereafter the actual cause of narcissism We're going to explore this a bit. We're going to unpack this a bit. The actual cause of narcissism is pure ignorance. From everything we've said, I mean, that's what results. Pure ignorance or heedlessness that you actually know, but you're heedless towards it now and not paying attention. Now, the general treatment to it is to realize, to become aware and thus remove the ignorance and appreciate that everything exists only by the creative act and will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is because he decided to do so See to put this in a theological sense Everything including us and everybody else and everything else that exists besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is what you call a mumkin So in the grand th- uh, realm of theology here Everything and everyone is What we call in theology Theology a possibly existent being. It wasn't necessary for any of us to be here. This universe would have worked completely fine without us. Somebody else could have been here. Allah had the absolute prerogative and choice that He could have had somebody else here in place of us. So the fact that you and I are here was a choice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through His will and His Irada to allow us to come into being from the realm of unexistence. We owe him for that. It's purely his grace that we're even here in the first place. Then it's his grace that he made us the way he he did. And then you can just start counting the bounties. That's why the Prophet says in a hadith that whoever wakes up in the morning with security, and Alhamdulillah, we have lots of security. Yes, there there have been a few local incidents of acid attacks and so on, but in general, Compared to a lot of people and a lot of places around, we have a huge amount of security that you can actually just be sitting around, walking around without having to care too much. right? Even women can walk out on the streets at night if they need to. I was in South Africa recently, a friend of mine who's an imam there. He lives down the road from the shop, but every time he needs something in the evening or even in the daytime, he has to go and pick it up in the car. He can't, he can't allow his wife or daughter to walk the street. To walk the street just up the road to the shop to buy something subhanallah well they are just that's they are just right? that's the wonderful aspect of a human being we can adjust we mashallah when you look and compare we have so the Prophet ﷺ said whoever wakes up in the morning with security with health so generally you've got well-being of your body right You might have a cold one day, that's fine, that's understandable. You might have a little ache here or there, you may have a wound here and there, but generally your well-being. If you wake up with well-being and safety, and you have your day's sustenance, enough food to last you the day, then it is as if the entire world has been brought to your feet. Because that's all you need for your day, day by day, that you don't know about tomorrow. But that's all you need for your day. You need security for the day, you need health for the day to pass through, and you need your food to get you through. And if you've got that much, the whole world, it's as if the whole world is brought to your feet. That's the blessing of Allah. Then why? Allah loves us. That's the point. But we don't do enough to bring him into our life. Though he is, every, he is, he is part of our life in every sense of it. But we keep trying to block him out by being distracted, by being heedless. And yet deep down we believe this because that's part of our belief of iman. So the actual cause of narcissism is pure ignorance or heedlessness or not paying attention. Its general treatment is to realize and appreciate that everything exists only by the creative act and will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that every blessing of intelligence, knowledge, righteous works, whatever you feel narcissistic about, whether that be your knowledge, your prestige, your wealth, your intelligence, your good clothing, your handsomeness, your beauty, whatever it may be, is from Allah alone. It's from Allah alone. Now you can go into a long debate with yourself as to why you got it and nobody else got it. Why you got it and the other person didn't get it. And then he says on top of that, and to be cognizant and fully aware of this by recalling it and bringing it to mind that this is from Allah, to keep saying that. That's the muraqabah you must do. That's the vigilance you must have that is from allah it's from allah namely that he azza wa jal alone is the creator of the servant and all of his actions his outward actions inward actions his possessions and everything he has and he needs and this is not difficult you know once number one now we know this so that removes the ignorance if we were ignorant well this has removed the ignorance it's told us our place is given us an understanding of our relationship between us and our abilities, our bounties. That look, yes, you got bounties, respect them, acknowledge them, yes. But know where they came from. So it is incumbent upon the servant to show gratitude for all of his blessings. This is a fardh. Shukr is a fard, just like Salat is a fard and fasting is a fard, shukr is a fard. How many of us make shukr? Whereas it's a fard and an obligation. It is incumbent upon the servant to show gratitude for all of his blessings, like knowledge, actions, etc., that he possesses only due to divine enablement and aid. You see, in Sunni Islam, we believe in (coughs) radical monotheism. Absolute declaration of Allah to be one in everything not just the fact that he's one and there's no two three and four That's a simplistic way of looking at it. What we mean by Allah being one is That there is he is the giver and sole source of everything Not just that there's not another says that he is so it's a different way of looking at it So Imam Abu Hanifah says in his aqidah in his uh, creed he says Allah is one but not in terms of number. We don't mean this in terms of number, though that is the case as well, but that we don't mean that. We mean he is one, i.e. unique, in his essence, his attributes, his actions. There's nobody else that can do what Allah can do. So when it comes to Sunni Islam's radical monotheism, it denies even the slightest trace of dual, dualiz, dualism, that you know there could be a second or a shariq, a partner by ontology, uh, by ontologically ascribing directly to Allah every effect occurrence and action in the cosmos we have to do this including the voluntary actions of human beings even though we're responsible for the actions that we choose everything has to be ascribed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you start doing that then this helps us spiritually because then the narcissism is removed then we no longer think, hey, I'm, I'm great or uh, I'm great because of what Allah has given me. You're not going to say that. You're not going to say I'm great because of what Allah has given me. You can't, that, that's, a, that, that's never going to happen. If, if you know Allah has given it to you, how can you say I'm, I'm greater than somebody else? Then you'll understand that I'm doing shukr. Then alhamdulillah Allah has given us this because he can easily take it away. There was uh, one spiritual master says that true slavehood to Allah, عبودية, is to fulfill the rights of obedience, with due veneration so you're praying Salat but are we venerating Allah when we pray Salat when we're doing dhikr we're actually saying words of veneration but is our heart venerating him there's a difference between a verbal veneration and a heartfelt veneration may Allah give us that heartfelt veneration to see one's spiritual efforts as falling short of the divine right. So we've gathered here for dhikr, inshaAllah. Now, if we believe because of this that we've done our part and we fulfilled the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because we took time off, I mean, wow, you know, we took time off on a Sunday, Saturday evening. When people are going out to restaurants and people are going out to, you know, do all sorts of things on Saturday evening. But we, are, we have come together, inshallah for the sake of Allah. Wow! Right? So the first thing, we've come together for the sake of Allah is a great thing. But suddenly, I've done my part and I've fulfilled my obligation to Allah. That's when it gets problematic. We, the, the approach should be that we thank Allah That He's given us the ability to do this And then to seek forgiveness for any shortcomings Whether we realize them or not And they are definitely shortcomings In terms of what Allah truly deserves from us For being our creator and for everything He's given us Rather one needs to view all of one's achievements And virtues as solely being from the divine decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, one of the most potent treatments of ujub and narcissism is to focus and try to work out the spiritual calamities that come from it. Like, what is the problem of being narcissistic? Right? Uh, what are the calamities? They're numerous. There are numerous calamities from having ujub. Um, it, it suffices one to realize that it is the cause of arrogance. If you have ujub, eventually it's going to lead to takabur, kibr, arrogance against another. You're going to start belittling people. Now as I told you, having an idea of your strengths and your abilities is a good thing because it's people like this that generally go out to do uh, major accomplishments. Right? So you have to realize your abilities to go- do something. Uh, just that it should not make you vain and arrogant. So one thing that narcissism, if you have that, it's going to eventually lead to kibber and arrogance against others, which you're going to look down upon people. And then if there comes a time when you are wrong, when we are wrong about something, because we could be wrong, right? I mean, does everybody agree that even though we're generally right, we are wrong sometimes? Is there anybody here that has never been wrong about something? husband and wife relationships right? you know what with my wife what I just say I'm sorry straight away it's just like forget it I'm wrong okay خلاص, I could be wrong you know what's the point of putting on some pretense I have made a mistake okay big deal that's what you have to do so the fact that we know that we can be wrong sometimes shows that we're, we've got a defect Uh, it suffices one to realize that it is the cause of arrogance so we we don't want the narcissism if it's latent within us to um, become expressed as arrogance towards somebody else because that can get us in big trouble right forgetting one's sins because it's a a sin of the heart we think only zina and uh, all of these are sins and stealing and all that These are sins that we carry around every day. And we could be doing multiple times. We may be avoiding theft, cheating. But we are doing this sin of the heart all the time and it is eating out inside. It's just that you can't smell it. They say that gambling addiction is very difficult to see in somebody. Unless you see them gambling. You can't smell it. If somebody's got an addiction to wine... You can smell it on their breath you can see it in their actions but if somebody's got a gambling problem you can't really see it but it's a massive problem and believe me it's a massive problem i've dealt with people who've had it okay so number one forget uh you uh, it's the cause of arrogance number two it makes you forget one's sins number two it makes you forget the blessing of allah this is another calamity that's meaning we're committing all of these crimes Number four, feeling secure from Allah's devising and punishment. Just what's happened to Qarun. So we feel safe that, oh, I'm I'm too good, nothing's going to happen to me. You start feeling invincible. And then thinking one has a standing with Allah, it gets even worse. That you actually start thinking we're chosen. We're the chosen people, you know, we're a chosen individual, I'm special. Because look, I mean, I've done all of this very successfully and nothing's happened to me. That's why a lot of the time we can't really even tell that we've got this problem. Somebody else has to point it out. But sometimes, it's, you know, that, that's just a very late period then because then it's expressed outside. That means it's been strong enough inside to have had an outer expression. And thinking one has a standing with Allah and is deserving of reward due to his righteous work, which in fact are blessings and gifts from among his blessings and gifts. It leads one to deem himself pure and prevent one from benefiting from others and consulting them. And you know, I can tell you this from experience that sometimes when you've made a judgment about somebody that you're better than them, they don't know anything and you don't want to listen to them. And then one day you happen to listen to them and suddenly you start seeing, wow, they actually have a lot of substance. I can actually benefit from them. But maybe it's too late now because, you know, you've already put up a, a, a barrier between yourself and them. It's narrated uh, by Anas anhu in hadith by Imam Bayhaqi uh, and it's in the Musnad Al-Bazzar as well. That there are three things that destroy famous narration right? there are three things that are destroyed that are very destructive number one stinginess that is obeyed so one is you feel stingy it's a natural state of stinginess. you just have a tough time spending or giving um, but you uh, so, so what the hadith is trying to say is that if you obey it and act on that stinginess and withhold that's the problem that's destructive because Allah creates people in different ways. So in some people, he does put a stinginess. It's a natural stinginess. Uh, The the challenge for this person, the mujahada, is to try to open up. But if it's obeyed, then that becomes destructive. Number two, uh, stubborn whims that one succumbs to. Stubborn whims—that what—and you don't want to listen to anything else. It's just you go by your own whims. And you become stubborn in that. Everybody's going to have ideas, whims, doubts. It's about becoming stubborn upon them. And number three is a person being impressed with himself. That—that's the third destructive factor. It could take a person to district, uh, destruction. now um, the last point i make before we stop is you know if a person is impressed with one spiritual works that i do this much dhikr i make all my salat i do this much uh, tahajjud at night or i do this much charity work or whatever the case is whatever kind of spiritual work it is outwardly being impressed with one spiritual work could be very well an indication that those works are not accepted by Allah. How? It's very logical actually. Ibn Atayullah says in an aphorism, No righteous deeds are more hopeful to be accepted than deeds you hardly notice and deem insignificant. Meaning, if you've done a deed, you help somebody out, or whatever it was, and you deemed it insignificant, then look, I should be doing this. You deemed it insignificant, like how I should do much more. That's a proof that you haven't taken the credit for it. The credit then will come from Allah. It's like a check you haven't cashed. But if I think my deed is great, then I've cashed my check, then Allah won't give me anything because I've already taken my reward. Make sense? So the less we feel that we have done something great that is a sign that that is more accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he's given us a true perspective towards it so that's why uh, what Ibn Atayillah says that no righteous deeds are more hopeful to be accepted than deeds you hardly notice and you deem insignificant because due to one's falling short therein maybe one of the Gnostics was asked that what is a sign a good deed is accepted he replied this is his perspective but it's based on the Quran sunnah he replied that you forget it and take no notice of it It becomes very natural for you to do these things for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you forget it and take no notice, notice of it whatsoever, as indicated in Allah's statement, which is, <laughs> To him ascend the pure words of faith, and he raises up righteous works. <coughs> They've been taken up already. You don't have to worry about it. You just do them and you carry on. Allah's taking account. Ibn Abbad comments that so the sign that the supremely real one raises up a deed is that nothing of it remains for you to gloat about. If something of it remains in your notice, it has not ascended to Allah. Due to the great abyss between being with you and instead being with him. We want it to be with him and not to be with us so it behooves the servant who performs a spiritual work that the work be forgotten and completely absent from his mind based on what we mentioned of accusing one's ego of being inadequate and seeing one shortcoming in the work so that it can be accepted you do the work out of fulfillment of allah uh, allah's uh, allah's uh, commandments to us but we feel we've been deficient in it and it's inadequate how can I present it to her? How can I hope for a reward for it? That's what he's talking about. This, this kind of thought, it's this kind of a thought that will inshaAllah help us remove our narcissism and that will help us to be thankful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to cure this problem. And as I said, this is a problem that gives rise to many other problems. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the tawfiq to purify our hearts from it and may Allah make us of those who are accepted by him wa akhirul da'wana anil rabbil alameen Allahumma salli ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa salim Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam al-jalali wal-ikram subhanallahil aliyya ala al wahhab O Allah, we ask you for acceptance O oh Allah, we ask that you accept this gathering We ask you to forgive our sins We ask you to purify us O Allah, forgive us. O Allah, forgive us. Fill our hearts with your light. O Allah, fill our hearts with your noor. O Allah, fill our hearts with your blessings. O Allah, all the blessings that you have given us. O Allah, we want to express thanks. O Allah, but we're unable to express sufficient thanks. O Allah, you have given us beyond what we have the ability to thank you for. We cannot thank you enough. O Allah, your status and what right you have for you to be thanked. We are unable to fulfill this. But O oh Allah, we ask that you accept us and you make us of those who understand the harms of these problems and that you protect us from these problems. O oh Allah, we ask you for islah of ourselves and our hearts. O oh Allah, we ask you for removal of our sicknesses, both our spiritual ailments, our physical ailments. We ask you to make us of those who are accepted. We ask you to make us of those who have a position with you. O Allah, we ask you to make us of the humble and those who want to be your servants above all else. O Allah, make us truly of your servants. O Allah, make us of those who make make us and our progeny, our children, of those who establish the prayer in a proper way, with full sincerity, with full devotion. O Allah, make all of our worship those which are which have a consciousness within them Which have true devotion within them O oh Allah All the worship All the efforts that we may do Do not make them devoid Of the ruh and the spirit Oh Allah Allow us To do those things which satisfy you Which bring about your pleasure Oh Allah Make us of those Who love you Oh Allah Make us of those Who you love Oh Allah Make the best of our life The final part of our life O oh Allah Make the best of our days, the day that we stand in front of you. O oh Allah, accept all those who are here, all those who are listening. Do not let any of us turn away without being forgiven and blessed by you with a special forgiveness and a special blessing. O oh Allah, protect us and guard us. O oh Allah, grant us security. Help our Muslim brothers and sisters around the world and help the insan bring back its insaniya around the world. O oh Allah, grant us assistance and accept our deeds. Oh Allah, bless all of those who have told us to make dua for them, who expect us to make dua for them, those who are going for the Hajj. These are the months of Hajj. People have left. Others are leaving for the Hajj. Oh Allah, make those journeys easy and take us over and over again to the Haramain and allow us to benefit from the great mercies that you have there. Those who are unable to go, Allah, we ask you for blessings where we are. O oh Allah, we ask that you accept our du'as and we ask that you send your abundant blessings on our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that you grant us his company in the hereafter. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma wa salamun al mursaleen walhamdulillah